Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am here with super producer Alex for another fun-filled edition of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you? Um, well, how's your stock portfolio these days? It's fine. Is it fine? Is it fine, yeah. like, fine, or is it fine, like, yeah, it is Well, fine. you know, generally fine means, like, very small and detailed and something like that's about where it is. Yeah, it's fine. Uh-huh. I've got, like, three shares. Three. <laughs> Three I don't even shares. know what it is anymore. But you know, I mean, you you wanted to bring up the uh, you wanted to bring up my bad decisions at Tesla. Mm, shouldn't have sold it, should you? <sighs> okay, so since this came up, and it came up previously, and then we ran away from it. But I'll just tell you the story. This is this is why you don't want me telling you what stocks to buy ever, or mostly when to buy them. Or that either, yeah. So I, I bought Tesla a long time ago, back when it was cheap, like you know, 100, 120 bucks a share, something like that. And uh, and I was convinced. I mean, I, I threw some money at this, and I was convinced that you know these guys are going to change the world because they're on to something here, and they're way ahead of everybody else. Plus, I think they have advanced knowledge from the aliens, but that's a different. <laughs> I don't use that as a barometer to buy my stocks. No, but I just I think these guys are way ahead of everybody, and I knew they were going to change the world. And eventually, it would be like owning, buying Apple stock in the eighties, because mm-hmm. eventually it would just go through the roof because these people own the market, and this is becoming the only market. Um, and that's turning out to be true. I mean, everybody's going yeah. EV. Ford just launched their their. EV truck They're just the other day. Truck, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So nonetheless, uh, so I, I bought into this one and I got it when it was cheap and just sat on it and watched it for year after year, just knowing, okay, this thing's going through the roof. And it's a very volatile stock. It tends to, you know, go up, it goes down. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, long story short, I'm looking at it. I'd been sitting on this for years and I'd kind of figured out the patterns. I was like, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of day trading here. And just make a little bit of cash on the side. That's and where depression sets in. <laughs> so I sold it when it got to a kind of a high point, which is right about 400 bucks is where mm. it was. You know what happened the next day? Didn't it go up to like 2000? It went through the roof the very next day. Not even uh, 24 hours later, it popped 100 bucks. Uh, next day, it popped another 93 bucks. Next day, it was like another 102 bucks. And it didn't stop. It just kept on going. And there was no main driver for this. It's not like they suddenly got a big government contract or something. It just, it decided to pop. Literally, the day after I sold it. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Follow me for more. Oh, God. That for more info so that you shouldn't use. For more things to not do. From well, Alex. you know, you know who's filled up with things to not do is our guest today. Who are we talking to today? Donna Sardinopoli. What, tell me that last name again. Well, I'm. I hope Donna. I hope I'm not saying it wrong. Sardinopoli. So she's playing Monopoly. Uh, no, she is playing with the biggest securities on the New York Stock Exchange. She was a former NYSE investigator. Okay, so this mm-hmm. is somebody looking into stock trade and fraud. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
And And she would go, she would go to these brokerages and tell them everything that they were doing wrong and and all their violations and all Mm. their front running and everything. And she figured out some things about what goes on behind closed doors. And she is revealing it here for the first time. And is this going to help me with my stock picking? It's going to help you with your stock broker picking for sure. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're brokers I should stay away from. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, and she's going to give that up. Oh, well, she's given up like some of the signs and she's in, and for some of them where she was on their case and they knew it, they did something to get her to go away. And she's going to talk about it. Uh, Did they tase her? They did not tase her. And that is a reference back to our (laughs) our chat episode. If you want to know what it's like to be tased. Tracy's a little obsessed with tasing lately and I I can't go anywhere near her house because she's threatened to tase me. Yeah. Uh, If I had a taser, Just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And she's going to videotape it. So anyway, well, that sounds, that actually sounds really fascinating. Why don't we just go there and listen to her now? Let's go talk to Donna. It's Tracy on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. And I got to tell you, I have a interview today that I think we're going to get some bombshell, I think, revelations today about the New York Stock Exchange. I got Donna Sardinapoli. Did I say it right? Sardinapoli. Sardinapoli. Oh, so close. Okay. (laughs) So I got Donna and she, in a not so former life, is in or was a New York Stock Exchange investigator. And so it was her job to sniff out stock fraud. And she has got a lot to say about it. So Donna, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Oh, Tracy, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So here's the deal. We, we just went over a few of the stories and I know you've got a lot out there. And I think the one that, that, really got me is that when you found evidence of front running, which we're going to talk about that, and they ended up throwing out all of your findings because they just didn't want to deal with it. Okay. So let's, let's jump into that and let's talk about, okay, what is front running to start? Okay. So front running is, is when a broker decides to trade a certain stock in his account, buy stock, And then after he buys it for his account, he then buys the stock for all his clients. And I mean, this broker has to be a big broker, have a lot of clients and trades, you know, hundreds and thousands of shares of stock because you need to be able to do that to move the stock price. Right. So the bottom line is he would be he or she would be receiving the lower price and then ultimately place all his clients in this stock and all his buddies clients in this stock. So the stock goes up, 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 up. And then he could sell to make an advantage of it, to make a profit of it. Got so it. that's okay. pretty much front running. So, so what, what happened? Cause, cause you, you said you were kind of new, were you just out of college or yeah, what? Well, I was out of college. Um, the exchange went to about 11 different colleges, interviewed well over 200 candidates and accepted 13 into this training program. Okay. And I was one of those 13, um, uh, school for about three months within the New York Stock Exchange, learning everything that you could imagine about the rules, the regs, the way it all works uh-huh. on the job training. And then they put you out there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was my first job, but I was well suited and ready for 
what was going to be in front of me at that point. So were you uh, an accounting student or grad? Finance and economics. Okay, got it. Okay. So you get there to the exchange, you make it through the schools, everything's going good. And then they send you out. They send you out. To see what's going on. Like, tell me, how does that go? Like, I, I can't imagine that you're well received at places that you oh. show up to. <laughs> no. That's so funny because no, we're not. People are either just angry or afraid. You know, so the environment's not that that pleasant. And you, you really just try to calm their nerves and ease them and say, look, we're, at the end of the day, we're here to help you. If there are problems, you got a problem broken here. You don't want them here. That, that's, uh-huh. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. But they, they did not. They don't receive it that way. You right. know, we're a nuisance and we just want to do our business. Leave us alone. And plus, you know, at the end of the day, too, there could be fines. There could be violations. There could be suspensions. There could be brokers removed from the industry. So there's. There's a lot of, um, you know, results that could occur that are unpleasant for them. Well, yeah. Okay. So the fact that you have to show up there says some red flag has to have gone up. Like, yes, you don't just show up randomly. Right. So, okay. So, so so what happened? How did you know to show up to this particular place, which we will not be able to name? Uh, (laughs) What happened? Right. So a team of us usually starts at the home office of that broker dealer. Mm -hmm. And we just start looking at books and records. We start requesting certain documents. You know, there's like that, that, that list that you go through the normal list. And then once you start looking at documents, you see, well, there might be a problem here. You request more documents. These documents lead you to a specific broker at a branch. So you determine as a team, which branches need to be visited. Mm -hmm. So, and then we would separate and we go visit the branches. We'd review the documents and ultimately determine, you know, are there problems? Are there issues? Are there patterns? Are there violations? Do I need to speak to a broker or brokers or even the branch manager? Uh So there was a lot of trading that had occurred in this one stock that I reviewed from the home office. Did not look cool at all because what happened was I also reviewed the broker's account and the stock was bought for his own account prior to purchasing for all his clients. Oh, okay. So then when I got to the branch, I actually reviewed his partner's accounts and his partner also put their, his clients into the stock. Oh, okay. So this broker and his partner had purchased the stock the day before they purchased the stock for all their other clients. And again, you're not going to just purchase 10 shares and move the stock price. You have to purchase a lot of stock. And it was just a lot. I mean, it was so apparent, but at the end of the day, who's reviewing that account? You know, do they even care that this is happening? Because the firm and the branch, they're just concerned with making money. And compliance, especially back then, wasn't at the forefront. Right. Wasn't at the forefront. Let's know there wasn't a compliance officer at every branch. There wasn't the typical reviews that should have been performed. So fast forward, I interviewed the broker and I, every answer he gave me, I suspected he was going to give me, right. Uh Didn't understand, didn't know what I was talking about. All these clients love the stock, but again, couldn't answer me why he had purchased the stock beforehand. Uh So it became a big problem, a big issue. Uh, the, I, you know, I visited other branches. Once the entire investigation of the firm is completed, there is what they call an exit meeting. And at that exit meeting are all the examiners that were part of that team. 
the supervisor at the New York Stock Exchange and the CEO of the broker dealer, along with his direct reports. Uh So it's a very high level meeting that we're talking Uh about here. And that's when we start disclosing the violations and talking about what corrective actions can be inputted. And, you know, just at the end of the day, what are we going to do here? How are we going to fix these problems? And Mm -hmm. what, what violations are going to end up in the final report? So it came time to discuss my storyline and Uh what I came upon and sat back. And I started listening to what the, the principals at the brokerage firm were saying and suggesting, um, if you want to say in a professional way that I was young, uh-huh. I was a little green to the industry. Uh-huh. And is this, I guess for lack of a better word right now, is this really a, a big problem? Cause it appears that there's a lot of trading that's been done. It's been spread out through the branch. Did this broker really understand? So for, it was very discouraging for a lot, again, lack of a better word, because what happened was this violation was just put under the carpet. Never made it, never made it to the final report. And yeah, and and it was at that point I realized, wow, the world really doesn't know what goes on behind closed doors. And I guess in every industry, you could say that. And Uh I do believe that, you know, that do people on the outside really know the true story? Mm And any, and I'm talking about enforcement world, you know, whether it's, you know, the police or the Securities and Exchange Commission. And again, I worked for a regulatory body and I, I took my job very seriously. You know, uh-huh. we're here to, to help the retail client. We're here to help the people out there not get cheated or, or lied to. Uh-huh. And it was in that moment, I was like, I, I'm not going to make this happen anymore. And I literally reviewed documents more thorough Um you know, I peeled back then and even more just to see what I could, what I could find. And so it's, yeah, it was a very, very um, educational process. And I mean, educational with respect to understanding what goes on. Uh-huh. Behind those doors, you know? Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So you had another situation go on. I know um, <laughs> that we talked about and a bunch, I'm sure that I don't know about, uh, which we'll get to, but uh, what, you've had more trouble with investigations than just, just the one there, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. There, you know, I guess because of my age, when I started and being a female, Uh right, there weren't many members of our team that were female at that point. And I mean, the team meaning the investigators that, you know, brokers wouldn't take us seriously, the female or, Mm -hmm. you know, just what they felt was trying to pull one over on us. Uh So another situation different investigation, different firm, obviously different branch office. And again, as an investigator, you're trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together mm-hmm. before you speak to that individual. Mm-hmm. You want to be armed with all the evidence and you almost want to infer what his answer is going to be or infer what you're going to see in the next document. And uh-huh. I'll explain what I mean by that. So I was at this branch and this broker there was just so many things. There were so many red flags. Mm-hmm. And like, was, okay, so what are some of the red flags? Okay, so you're looking at customer accounts, retail accounts. You're looking at the age of the customer. You're looking at what type of trading he wants to do. So, you know, you want to be very cognizant of, is this an elderly client? You know, are they aware of what's going on in their account? What does their account profile read? 
do they want aggressive trading, which would be a big no if they were an elderly client. Right. So, you know, I would look at actual trading in the account. If it's an elderly client, if they want conservative or moderate trading, and then I would actually look at the trading. And if the account was being churned or if there was stock in there that was more of the aggressive type and not the blue chip or not stocks that earn derivatives, they were going against everything that the client wanted. Uh-huh. Now, again, there had to be internal reviews done within the firm to be able to disclose, you know, to keep up on, do we have good brokers? Do we have bad brokers? Do we have to get rid of this guy? And look, it's a lot. It's a tall order for a firm to do, but you know what? You have to do it. Uh-huh. If you can open your doors for business. You have to comply with everything. Uh-huh. It's, it's just uh-huh. not right. So I had had this one broker who had a number of elderly clients and he was churning their accounts. So, and it even got to a point that I, now, now was my, now it's time for me to go read customer complaints. And I said to myself, I'm sure this guy is going to have multiple complaints and I'm sure it's going to be one of these accounts I reviewed. And wouldn't you know it, of these accounts, two of those customers had complained and they oh. were written complaints. And that's another process that has to be performed within a broker dealer. When they receive a written complaint, they have to respond to it. Uh-huh. They have to bring it to the legal department. They have to see if the client's justified and if the giant's uh, justified, what retribution is there? Do they give them money back? So it's, it's, a, it's, there's so much and so much that goes on in this world within the broker dealer uh-huh. that so many people don't know and understand. But so at the end of the day, I interviewed this broker, uh-huh. had all the information, started asking him questions, asking him, you know, it just, it, you're, it's intuitive at that point, you know, even though I was still you know, younger doing this, you just know exactly what to ask because you have all the evidence. And again, he was just trying to pull one over on me, like almost Uh laughing, like Uh not knowing what I'm talking about. And I would then put the account in front of him with the trading, like, okay, well then can you explain why you feel this is conservative? You know, Uh and he would just laugh it off. Oh, I have a, I had a call with the client and she said that she wanted to do this stock. And again, a call like that needs to be documented. So everything he said, I just basically poo-pooed because I just knew it was, Uh it was ridiculous. So bottom line is he got written up um, the accounts I disclosed in the report obviously were brought to a higher level. But the funny thing is right before I left the branch, he came into the office I was working in and asked me out on a date. (laughs) Oh no. Oh my gosh. Why are guys like that? And insult to injury, right? Uh I mean, so yeah, you you just have to laugh. And so it's just, like I said, such an education to the world. Uh And it really set me up for the rest of my career. Well, let's, let's talk about, about that. Uh, qu- quick, quick question though. How, how many violations that you found actually got, is it prosecuted or fined or what? Well, like- what happens is it goes to the enforcement part of the uh-huh. New York stock exchange mm-hmm. and attorneys within the New York stock exchange get involved and they work with attorneys at the broker dealer. But yeah, there were many times, ultimately as years passed, my violations ended up in enforcement and there were fines that had to be processed. There were brokers that had to be suspended. So yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, we're just trying to do the right thing. Uh We're just trying to help these retail clients. Uh, And, you know, as years passed, the New York Stock Exchange started developing rules wrapped around senior investors, specifically to senior investors, that they had to be a process done within a brokerage firm to make sure that senior investors were not being cheated. 
So it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, you know, it, it, and again, it just, I think it just set my sights on that. I really wanted to be able to help people uh-huh. in that world and try to find the people that were hurting them. Wow. And then what was your next move? Cause didn't you have something go on that was kind of facilitated your next move? Like what? what yeah. Happened? So, so, you know, it, your the exams or the investigations you perform are every firm, every large broker dealer had an exam on an annual basis. The, uh-huh. the mid-sized ones, it was maybe um, every two or three years. But so I would always go back to this large broker dealer every year and I would find a lot of problems, uh-huh. a lot of accounts that um, had violations in them, a lot uh-huh. of brokers that were problems. And <laughs> at the at one of the exit meetings, the general counsel turned to me and said, you are like a thorn in our side. Ah. You find all these problems. And within a month, I got a call from the firm to, to take on a position there. They were asking, they wanted to develop a position for a person to manage all their regulatory exams, a uh-huh. position that they developed specifically for me. Oh. So what I did was I worked on the other side of the street and I worked for a major large broker dealer where I managed all the regulatory exams. So when a regulator walked in, I managed the process. Mm-hmm. I managed the review of documents. I managed, I prepped individuals, brokers for interviews with the regulators. Oh, and I was able to prepare them in the right way. So as the years went on, this firm's violations report got less and less and less. So I really did help out the firm. Uh-huh. Number one, I was able to look into what their problems were. And uh-huh. then I was able to guide the brokers on, look, you can't do this anymore. Uh-huh. This isn't right. We got to shut this down uh-huh. before the regulator would you know, catch on to it. And if they did, they would see how we corrected the process. We wow. corrected him or we got rid of the broker. Huh. Now, how do you have a total of how many violations you, uh, like dollar amount that you ended up being able to uncover? No, that I don't. I don't, but. Um, like uh, like know. millions and millions or like a few hundred thousand or like. Well, each violation could vary. Literally, each violation uh-huh. could vary from something as simple as 5,000 to hundreds of thousands. And if it's a pattern within a firm and Uh it's the entire firm problem, it could be over a million. Wow. So you found like multiple millions of. At the end of the day, after all those years. Yeah. 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 Yeah, For sure. Yeah. Fighting crime. I like it. Okay. (laughs) So, so then um, what are you doing now? Cause you're doing some pretty interesting stuff now. Yes. So, so working at that firm for 11, 12 hours a day, I said to myself, okay, you know what? I could do this on my own. Uh Uh-huh. I could help, I could help multiple firms. So I ended up leaving that firm and just joining first forces with some other um, people that were ex-regulators, if you will, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and started a consulting firm. And we would go out to help them prep them for regulatory exams or review their books and records and do what, do what they should be doing, but they didn't have the education and know-how. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I just saw a pattern on how many problems there were at the branch offices. Uh-huh. And uh, there is a rule out there that dictates that every broker dealer needs to self-audit their branch offices so they uh-huh. could find their own problems. So okay. the regulator's not finding them. Yeah, And they weren't doing it right. They just weren't doing it right. They didn't have the knowledge. They didn't have 
they just weren't doing it right. And uh-huh. that's something that I ultimately did so much of at the New York Stock Exchange. I would go into these branches and audit them. I would uh-huh. examine them. So I had this vision and I just brought it to fruition that I developed content. I wrote the content for a branch audit to help myself and my other consultants really go in there and look at everything. Uh-huh. And then I saw that there was a need for a technology platform okay. to input the content so firms could now use it. So instead of hiring consultants, license a, license a platform that was designed by an ex-regulator that knows the ins and outs of branch exams and branch uh-huh. audits and facilitate that process internally. So, uh-huh. And that's when I went on that journey and I brought in some IT developers and designed the platform, added my content, and went live with that about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And so now, and I, I'm telling you, if you would have said to me 25 years ago, what are you going to be doing 25 years? I would never be telling you. I now own a technology platform that we license to broken dealers. Oh, my gosh. But that's well, what we uh, do. So, so tell me about this. I, uh, I read in the Wall Street Journal uh, the other day that they're looking at changing the kind of like the inner workings of the stock exchange so that it's more fair or something like that. Do you know anything about that? Well, so first of all, it's FINRA now. The New York Stock Exchange is now called FINRA, F-I-N-R-A. But I I, I would have to know a little bit more about that. Um, It might be the structure of the examination process. Uh Um, I know what they're trying to do. Since COVID, the examiners, investigators couldn't go out to the branches, uh-huh. right, to investigate them, nor could the firms themselves send their auditors out to their branches. So uh-huh. everything's been virtual. Uh-huh. So there was a, a release that was put out about a week and a half ago saying that they're really rethinking this whole process and they might not push broker dealers to fly into their branch offices to review them. They might accept virtual reviews, which is really going to change up so much because uh-huh. there's only so much you could do virtually, number one. And number two, if that's the case, then every broker dealer is going to need technology to do their mm-hmm. exams, oh, yeah. to do their internal audits. You just you can't do it manually anymore. You uh-huh. just can't. Now, so, now, what on the consumer side of things, you have a couple little tips for people Um that are out there, uh, you know, just like I would be trading stock. I mean, I, I, I have a account. I just do it online. You know, uh, yeah, well, what, what is the right re- regular guy on the street need to be looking for? Well, they, first of all, they need to be clear on what they want. Okay. They need to be clear on what they want. They need to be meaning what type of trading, what, what type of trading are you going to do? Are you going to do moderate? Or are you going to do, I'm sorry, conservative? Uh-huh. Is it going to be moderate, which is middle of the road? Or do you want aggressive trading? Do you want to take some risk? How much risk are you willing to take on uh-huh. as a retail client? Uh-huh. And then, you know, you're as a retail client, you are responsible for filling out all these documents and basically saying, this is what I want. This is what I want done in my account. Mm-hmm. Then you have to say, do I want the broker to have discretion? Meaning, do they take charge of the account and trade? Uh-huh. And if so, you need to fill out a form to do that. You need uh-huh. to provide a trading authorization, okay? And if you do, as a retail client, give discretion to that broker, as a retail client, it's your responsibility to look at your account. And I would honestly say on a daily basis. Uh-huh. I mean, oh. they, still, they still mail out account statements on a monthly basis, 
but the world has changed. You know, you go online and you can look at your account. If you're a retail client and you're giving discretion to your broker, shame on you if you don't know what's going on in your account, really. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, and if it's not a discretionary account and the retail client is taking on the authority uh-huh. and calling in the trades or placing the trades themselves, they still need to look at their their accounts. Yeah. Because again, there had been violations where brokers were just placing trades in the account that were unauthorized. That was another big violation uh-huh. that is still currently. They're performing unauthorized trades as if, oh yeah, I was told I'm gonna, you know, to do this. And they never were told. Uh-huh. I can't tell you how many complaints I read in the years I worked there of unauthorized trading. I mean, well, well th- th- okay. So, so that, that kind of brings us to my, one of my final questions here. So I guess I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it, right? What's your trust in the system right now? Like a percentage level trust in, in, I don't, I don't know if we'd call it the, the goodness of brokers or that things are going right or like, like you've, you've seen it all. And I know you've seen a lot more that you can't talk yeah. about. Exactly. <laughs> like where are you? Are you a jaded old, like, uh, you know, pro or do, uh, do you, wh- where are you in things? You know, I, I like to always think the best about people. Uh-huh. I really do. Uh-huh. I really do. And um, I have to admit I'm a little jaded uh-huh. and I just think that you always have to be careful. You uh-huh. want to be able to trust people, right. right? That's what we're put on this earth to do, right? Be kind and trust people. But, uh-huh. you know, and especially in times of, you know, the stock market crash and, you know, even COVID, you know, people are losing money. Brokers are losing money, you know, so they get in their head. How am I going to make up this money? What am I going to do? And, you know, uh-huh. it's like their mind gets the best of them. And I, 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 and I have seen it that there have been brokers, men and women, uh-huh who I could, I, I could honestly say that they felt bad. They felt bad when it was all said and done, you know, cause they, you know, they just, it, they, they're, they're struggling in life uh-huh. and that falls into their career. Like, what am I going to do to keep my family afloat? Uh-huh. So it gets, it gets, it gets pretty intense sometimes, you know, but, but you have a responsibility. Yeah. This is your job. Uh-huh. You're here to help people. And tell them what they should be trading their money that they worked long and hard for. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, this could be a movie. <laughs> Sometimes I would say to myself, I sit back and I, I think back on all the stories. I'm like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, but it, again, it's, we all have responsibilities. We're all accountable for our actions. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I, you know, as a retail client, you, you have a responsibility to know what's going on. You, you can't be, you know, you want to trust the person, but I think you still Not have to too be- much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Donna, how can people get a hold of you? See what you're up to now. Tell us all that. Yes. So uh, my, my company's name is regulatory intelligence compliance solutions, Inc. My it's, it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> I could not repeat that. Uh, the website is regulatory which is actually undergoing updates now, but the, 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 the former website is up now, but we're updating it now. And my email address is Donna S at regulatory intelligence.com. 
Oh, Donna, thank you so much for taking <laughs> the time to come on Truth, Lies, and Cover. You're of just course. a wealth of information. And, um, and I thank hope people so get, get a hold of you so they can make sure that their, um, their office is uh, doing everything right because we don't need to see another Donna coming down the, like knocking on the door. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I hear you on that one. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.